Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you guys doing? You know, I'm very excited because uh, it's 420. I'm recording this a day early because I have this great artist here for you, Richard Pascarelli, and I couldn't get him on the live. Uh, he He's very busy, okay? He's doing very well. He's too busy for you guys. So I managed to get him today, but it's 420. I can't wait to get through this interview so I can get really high. Are you guys high? Are you going to get high? You're probably going to get high. I know you. You're probably going to get high. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. I love it. You know, you don't need to get high because you're probably, over, you know, you you seem high anyway. That's what people say to me, right? Anyway, thanks so much for listening. You know, Radio Free Brooklyn is really the greatest station in the Western Hemisphere. I have listened to every single one of them. This is the best. You can't do any better. And you know what? We're also really poor. We're a nonprofit. We're community, we're community radio nonprofit, which means that uh, we would love you to check us out, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Uh, help support us, support us. Well, we could certainly use some money, but you could also go to the website and buy some merch or sign up for the newsletter. Just join us, okay? We're having a blast. Um. I also, you know what else we're having? We're 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 having an event. We're having a music event. Okay, we're a radio station. We have we know everything, and our st- and our music direct- director Rachel C organizes fucking awesome music event for you, for you. Um, and the bands are great. Uh, although I feel kind of silly reading them. I don't know all of them, but I feel the names are amazing. Okay, so Radio Free Brooklyn presents Seventh Grade Girl Fight. I wish that was a real Seventh Grade Girl Fight, not a band, though. Dirt Bikes, Barrette, Castle Black, and it's all at Bar Frida on May 20th, Friday. It's a Friday night. That's a big night at 730 at Bar Frida, 801 Seneca Avenue tickets are 10 bucks. Listen, you know, you should really, and you know what? You should come. I know you don't have plans. That's like really fun. So, yeah. so this is what this, you know. Great. We're, I we're jog. Both. I do. Yeah. I meditate. I jog. I, yeah. I try to keep up, you know. Yeah. Getting in my 50s now, 52. Really? So. Oh, yeah, baby. It's the start baby. of the end, right? Oh, it's always the start. It's it's the the end started like, you know, a lot over 50 years ago. I got I got news for you. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um I'm I'm going to talk I want to tell this I'm not talking to you, Richard. I'm talking to my people here, my listeners. So, listen guys, here's the deal. All right. Richard's work is 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 great he has a show that opened at robin lee last uh when was it friday when uh, was thursday. It? thursday last, yeah, last thursday, thursday night week ago um i can't emphasize enough that you should see the show and really take in the work which is uh fascinating accessible beautiful even if like you don't have to know like all about art to appreciate it and if you do know all about art just as well but you know you don't have to okay so anyway uh it's it's open now at till may 14th at bravin lee gallery that's at 526 west 
26th Street, Suite 11, and it's open um, Wednesdays, Saturdays, 12 to 5. What did you say, Richard? I forgot. Yeah, Suite 2. It's actually Suite 211. Uh, 12 to 5, Wednesday through Saturday. Okay, and tell us the <clears throat> website and say your website too. Oh, my website is richardpascarelli.com and my Instagram is just at richardpascarelli and the galleries, um, Bravenly programs. Bravenly.com is their okay. website. Okay, I'm going to see if I can condense your work. Oh, also, I just want to say this. Okay, Richard... If you really want to, and I'll post this, I'll post this all on my Facebook page, and in, when I post the episode. But Richard, um, I'm not going to talk deeply about the art aspect of Richard's art because it's very psychological, and that's what I'm fascinated with. But if you are interested in the art, art history, you know, art historic, all the arts, all the art stuff, Richard had a uh, great interview with an expert phoebe hoban on white hot magazine which is noah becker is the founder he's been on a couple of times not that long ago i can't recommend all of that enough but if you're interested in hearing the art part do that listen to that because I, I i i can't add to that phoebe and richard had a very uh deep discussion about the art so we're talking psychology here so anyway, and in that in that in that vein, I'm going to Richard, I am going to take the liberty of explaining your work, how I see it in a cultural vein, and then I'm gonna have you correct me or tell me your version. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. Okay, so Richard, from what I understand, is sort of uh the opposite, the inverse of a hoarder. He is uh compulsive about objects he is they you know they I've heard the word visual noise used by graphic designers Richard and I are both former art directors so we have that in common but Richard is the real deal graphic designer type where everything has to be line I'm a slob Richard I'm afraid you think <laughs> if you saw me you'd think I was a slob no. that's why Richard did better than me in advertising because he's a perfectionist so anyway he um he's a perfectionist and his he likes things to be visually perfect and he's obsessed with it in a way that hoarders are compulsive about keeping things, not throwing things out. And Richard's the exact, exact opposite, which is makes for much better roommate, right, Richard? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, unless you want to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's all this stuff I could read to you. Uh, he, Richard Pascarelli has come to perceive our physical surroundings as a manifestation of the psyche. He, his paintings are more than representations of people's possessions. They are portraits of their minds. So I think Richard, and correct me, you'll, you'll get a chance to correct me on all this. So Richard sees, he makes these paintings that are like kind of almost idealized versions of the shelves in his studio. The, the little like, almost like the cubbies where everything is perfect it's almost like if he could arrange it perfectly and take away the unnecessary information, the logos, the tech, you know, the 
all the dirt, whatever, it would be, it would be, it's like his fantasy of what the cubbies or the shelves in his studio would look like. Um, and so I want to talk about that as far as Richard goes, but I also want to find out from Richard about his research because he's done some really amazing research on that I know nothing, haven't heard anything about yet. And he's gone, he's gotten deep into what hoarders are like. He's gone to conventions about hoard, or I guess about the psychology of hoarding. He's gone, he's met hoarders, he's done art about hoard of their collections and stuff like that. So this should be fascinating. Okay, so Richard, correct me, what what did I miss or what what more do could you add to that? Yeah, I, I think you did great. I would say that those the um it, it, interesting that you saw that I took all the logos and the text and everything off of the items on those book on that representation of the bookcase. But I just want you to know that's exactly how my bookcase looks. I mean, it is sort of idealized state, but it is, I, you know, when I was working on the piece, um, I was at a residency and some of the other artists came in the studio and they said to me, they're like, oh, you know, this is really cool. And um, it's nice how you're making it look so perfect. And they're like, what's it like in reality? And I, and I, and I said to them, that's what it looks like. In Did reality. you show them photographs? Yeah, so then I showed them some of my reference photographs, and they and they were blown away. Um, like each of those cubes in that painting is, you know, I think of each cube individually as I'm putting the objects into that cube, you know, and um, so each one is really perfectly arranged, uh, mm. compositionally arranged within there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a pretty close representation. Somebody said, "Well, what if you buy something new?" Are you going to change the painting? <laughs> you <laughs> know, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not touching the painting. But the there were no logos thing. on no. the things. So what? Do you, but in your yeah. studio, there are, right? Oh yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason so. I'm taking, I take those logos and text and all of that stuff out because I don't want it to really be about what the objects are. I want it to be purely about their physicality, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise you get hung up on the, on the things and it's mm -hmm. not about the things. It's about the right. mental relationship to the things. Okay. So the way they're arranged in the studio, did you arrange them that because you were, um, did you, for the, for the photograph, for the painting, or is that just how you, how you, how you roll? That's how I roll. That's how okay. those objects actually are, yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about you and your relationship to the... I want to talk about your psychology, and then I want to hear sure. also about the research you've done. So yeah. so we can say you're compulsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say um, <clears throat> one could define it as uh, organizationally obsessive compulsive, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I think technically it's categorized as something called OCPD uh, or... or uh, um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, but mm -hmm. I just describe it as organizationally obsessive compulsive because mm -hmm. that's, that's the term that people can understand. And that means that I am constantly, you know, straightening things, you know, um, arranging things, making things square. You know, when I go to a restaurant, mm -hmm. I have to make the silverware and the yeah. plate and everything, you know. And it's fine, but it got to the point where, so I have two kids, one who's 25 and one who's 23, um, but they were younger teenagers. And it kind of got to this point where it, 
I think because it was around, it was just post 2008. And I think that there were a lot of things going on um, work-wise and I had gotten into a kind of, um, I don't know, crazy state. Maybe you want to call it a midlife crisis. Let's call it a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things was that that organizational um, OCD was always there, but it got to a, uh, a point that was really uh, great. And it was because I think I felt like so many things were out of control in my life that this mm -hmm. gave me uh, control of something. Mm -hmm. But then the kids came to me one day and they said, Dad, you know what? We can't live this way. We have to be able to live, you know. An in intervention by your kids. Well, you brought yeah. them up, right? Right? Yeah, they did. I love my kids. And, and then um, I, I turned to them and I thought, you know what? You're right. You're exactly right. And then I thought, why do I have to do this? And so then that's what that was sort of the catalyst that began my whole exploration to into. So topics. you had never, um, <laughs> you had never been aware of that you were OCD or whatever. No. Do you weren't aware that you were? Um, I just thought I was ins neat. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought I was like a neat freak, you know. And and um, so so what I was gonna say is I'm trying to imagine like, can you give us an example? Like, what do you think your kids might have been talking about when they came with their intervention? Like, give me an example of something um, that would well, have been extreme at home. You know, uh, things being moved. Just simple things, you know. I have a table in in the where you come into the the front of the apartment, and there are objects on that, you know. And I'd have them arranged in this particular way, and they would move them in order to put their stuff down or or things like that. Or they would put their backpack down when they came home from school. They would just throw it on the floor, and I would have to hang it. I would have to stand it upright on a chair, you know, things like this. And then so then it, they would be like, "Where the hell is my backpack? Where are my shoes?" You know. Things like that, because it, I, I couldn't just leave it laying around. It was very mm -hmm. difficult for me to be in a house. And a friend of mine was, was remarking who had come to visit us. And she, I saw her recently and she said, well, do you ever talk about how like the minute we came in, all of our shoes were like perfectly straightened, our coats were all hung, you know? And, and um, I said, no, I haven't talked about that yet, but here we go. Um, but they make jokes about it, you know? And um, it's good because it, it kind of made me, it, it lightens it up, you know? And yeah, they, that they, they love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, right. No, I mean, you did a good job, man. That, that, that is a very healthy way to handle that. Uh, so. Um, and these conditions, I'll say, like both with, with people who are affected by hoarding disorder as well as this, right? Um, one of the questions that Phoebe had asked me was, um, how do you know? when um it's not just collecting but it's hoarding and it and it's when it starts when any of these things start to impede your life right mm -hmm. like they make it difficult and that's what was starting to happen with my kids so that's when that's when i realized i'm not just a neat freak that's when i realized this is a problem right because right. it was affecting other people's lives right so now when you rearranged everything when that when they came in and threw their shit all over did that does it, like i keep thinking are, are you annoyed by messy people like am i annoying to you that's what I, this is a counter transference no. <laughs> this is a counter transference no. i'm like i'm i'm not that organized he probably thinks i'm a flake no 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 um no. But if, 
No, but, I, but I'm is not. it annoying? Is it, I mean that's the way the world is, like me. No, it's because because that's the way you're you live. You know, it's it's sort of like that's your choice. You know, I have no. I mean, if we were very close friends and I came into your house on a regular basis, I might actually start straightening it up for you. <laughs> but you know, but no. Um, but no, you don't. I, you don't. A distance. You don't. But like if your kids. OK, so your kids in your house, your kids throw their shit around. Like, does that make you does it make you angry? Yes, it did. Definitely. And were you telling them it made you angry? They could tell, you know. Oh, you kind of knew it was your response. You, it was yours. Did you expect them to be as neat as you or like what were you what were you thinking? Oh, that's interesting. Um did you, did you, were you thinking like, why can't they just put it in the right place? Or were you yeah, just thinking? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what's okay. so difficult about putting it right there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a good okay. point. Okay, so there was pressure on them. Now, what yes. about, now here, first of all, you know, and I'm just going to put, put this out there um, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I've, we know each other, but I've never like, you know, hung out at your house or yeah. really spend long period of time with you whatsoever. But sure. so I, what it's, but I'm going to say that it's really hard to understand that it took that long for you to see that because it just is, it seems like something that mm -hmm. like, what I'm wondering about is like your wife, like, oh my God, I would have, I mean, my husband's, my husband is, I want you, I want you to meet my husband. He, rem, you remind me of him in a lot of ways in that way too. He does the silverware yeah. thing and it, he's not as, he's not as consistent as you are, but about making things neat. But I'm just wondering like why no one said anything till your kids got old enough to like speak up. Yeah. That's what, it's funny. Yeah. But I think, you know what, it was always there. And it kind of grew. Uh, it just got worse and worse. I think, you know, when I was younger, I would say before college, I wasn't so much, a little bit. And mm -hmm. then in college, I started getting this way. Like, I really like to come back to my, when I rented a room, my dorm room, whatever, I always wanted a single because I didn't want to have to deal with other people's stuff. You know, like I liked my stuff in a certain way um, because it was more about my, my mind. I find that if I go into an environment that's messy, whether it's my, my dorm room or my home now or even my studio, I can't concentrate if it's if there's and I ah. think it's it's visual noise, right? Yeah. Like <clears throat> all these uh, angles and things like this. It's almost like my eye is distracted by all of these strange angles. And so when everything is straightened out, it brings a, a sense of like serenity and calm. And then I can focus. So I think that's what, what it was, was about really being able to focus on, on my whatever I was working on, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not be distracted. Mm -hmm. um, so, but then it got worse and worse. Uh, so it wasn't as bad. But did mm -hmm. your wife say anything or... No, because, you know, she and she's not like this, you know, so the thing Did, is, she's come home, she'll throw her coat down, whatever. I would just hang it up. You know, I just would deal mm -hmm, with it. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. really ask her to de deal with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I went away on a residency, <laughs> uh, my first residency when I, you know, this is maybe five years ago, right? Because mm -hmm. I never did them because I had kids in my 20s. Right. Anyway, so um, 
I called uh, the house maybe two days before I was coming back, and my daughter picked up the phone. And I said, oh, hey, sweetie, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be coming home in two days. She says to me, she's like, Dad, the apartment looks like a bomb went off. Mm. <laughs> and but when I got home everything was clean everything was neat and perfect so mm. so there you go so my when I'm not when when the cat's away you know my wife so will you, play so your wife can manage it yeah she's, she's fine. she 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 you know she loves you obviously and that's yeah. part that's part of that's part of the Richard experience for sure and she's you know she's brilliant you know she's a family court judge and she works very hard and she um, she has stacks of papers and things in her office here in our mm-hmm. home and everything. And um, she's just she, her brain works totally differently. You know, right. Right. So that, that's a great that's a great thing that you that um, you guys have navigated that so successfully together. I mean, yeah. where it's and you don't have friction about it. She says she likes it. Because she said when she gets home from work after a stressful day, because her work is very difficult, she says, I come home and I, it's, it's like I can calm, be calm. It's very calming. I think I think it is good. I think I would like it too. You are the excellent roommate. Um, so, but My like, sister's how... the same way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, to a degree. she does. I don't think it really ha- affects her family the same way, but my brother-in-law always talks about how if you put something down on the table and she walks by, she's kind of like that whirling dervish and it just gets sucked up into it and then gets put away, you know? Right. So well, it's interesting. I think that kind of, I mean, from, you know, I mean, uh, I have no degree, but from what I read and looked into, I think what you're taught, the behavior that you're talking about is largely genetic i do mm-hmm. oh wow yes yeah yeah um so were you you must have been like that as a kid to some degree i'm guessing yeah i think so a little bit more so like i said not when i was little little because i do remember my room being messy but when i started getting into high like middle school and high school that's when i started finding that i was really keeping things straightened and ordered did did anyone ever point it out to you did other kids make make fun of you or did did anybody ever say anything about it no thank god yeah would have gotten a complex about it (laughs) i think if it was i'll give you one i'll give you one (laughs) right i think if it was the other way you know i think like in my speaking of my field research earlier you know the thing is is that when people go people who are you know, organizationally obsessed, they're not shy about inviting people over to their homes, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're not embarrassed by it. Now, on the flip side, <clears throat> the people who uh, suffer from hoarding disorder, there's a lot of shame associated with that. You have, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so they're not, um, they're not as, you know, open about inviting people into their homes, right? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And, well, and, and yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say that um, what you what let's call it. I mean, if you call it a condition, I I think it's actually a superpower, frankly. Mm-hmm. But um, the only it it doesn't if it doesn't pose any problem for you, then it's like a really great 
thing to have because people are going to, you're going to be more organized. You can get more. It Being organized has huge advantages. Yes. So no one's ever going to like look at you. It's not the kind of thing that people go like, he's too organized. <laughs> no. And I just listened to a podcast, darn it. I wish I could remember the name of the, um, the neuroscientist who was talking about it, but they were talking about order and things like this and how um, and straightening and things and how they've been observing the brain and how the brain actually responds um, and creating a sense of calm. So it's not, I think it's not just me in that regard. I think that there's, you know, there's just a, even uh, my brother-in-law came to the show and after the show um, we had dinner and he said, you know, I found myself in a very calming, it was very yeah. calming. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's exactly kind of the psychology right there. And that's right. interesting, isn't it? How these mm -hmm. physical objects can actually affect you on a, on a psychological level. And it's right. these relationships that are so interesting to me. Right, right, right. You know? So, um, so yes. And um, there was one more thing I was going to ask, which was, are you in, have you gone to therapy? Have you gone to therapy about this or... Um, it's not about that. Oh, <laughs> but therapy, you've been to therapy. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh -huh. Who isn't? Yeah, who isn't? Okay, so let's hear. <laughs> this let's is hear, New York, after all. Right? Let's hear about your um, research and what you've what you've done as far as your sure. research and what so, you've learned. Yeah, so I can just hit you up with a few things, but so the so I started doing research into um, the uh, OCD and and compulsive. Uh, those kinds of behaviors and um and then that um that also led me into some areas of thinking on a philosophical level right mm -hmm. and specifically phenomenology i don't know if you know what phenomenology is not but it's really Husserl and and um heidegger and all of this about the the study of how we come to perceive our reality as we do Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I got interested in that. And then that led me also into I'm also very interested in Buddhism and the ideas on the Buddhist side of these attachments and the way we define our sense of self. Right. So mm -hmm. and, and to, to speak of our advertising careers, really. Right. And how this advertising industry is like this. Um, what do they call it? Like desire production. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. We're driving people to want things, to mm -hmm. desire things. Right. Mm -hmm. So but on the Buddhist side, it's more and even William James, the psychologist, talked about how, um, you know, that uh, when a person uh, defines their sense of self, they also uh, define it by the things that they have, their objects, their homes, mm -hmm, their boats, mm -hmm. their whatever, their mm -hmm. bank account. And when those things wax and wane, so does their sense of self and their mm. identity. Mm. And I yeah. found that very true. Mm. Um, and so I, I thought about that. And then, um, so then some of the research um, then led me into uh, hoarding disorder. And I was like, wow, you know, this is the, the polar opposite of mm. me. Mm. And I thought, you know what, I, 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 what is going on there, you know? And so I started asking friends uh, if they knew anybody who collected stuff. Mm -hmm. Did it seem and unimaginable to you when you first started thinking about it? Yes. Well, because, you know, I had seen that there's a show on, you know, yeah, hoarders, TV, right. yeah. hoarders. And, you know, to be honest, and I'd like to say this now, after I've gone into these, done research and gone to the conference and everything, 
I don't like that show because yeah. it sensationalizes it yeah, and it really yeah. has very little compassion and empathy. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, uh, so I had got, so one of my friends yeah. got me in and I went into the first home I went into was a man named Edward and he lived in the, in the East village and his home was like a two bedroom apartment and it was so full. I, have you ever heard the term goat paths where it's these little narrow paths with piles of stuff on Mm -mm. either side? Mm -mm. I didn't even have room to put a tripod down. And I was walking, Mm -mm. you know, one foot in front of the other, almost feline in order to go Mm -mm. through the apartment. And he is what is called an information hoarder. So those are people who collect um, newspapers, magazines, books, because they believe there's valuable information in there that should not be gotten rid of. Mm. And he had piles and piles. He's also a writer. So um, I'd ne- and, and also interested in art. So there were piles of books and, and papers and all of these things. But as well, there was also uh, paintings kind of in behind these piles. Anyway. That, it was August, it was 2,000 degrees out. There was no Mm -hmm. air conditioning. And Mm. so I'm dripping wet. I took about 1,800 photographs in that apartment because I thought, uh, will I ever have this opportunity again, right? Mm -hmm. What were you thinking when you were taking those pictures? At first, when I first walked in, I was very, I had a lot of anxiety about it. I I felt very... I, I don't know. It was in my body, you know. It just felt mm-hmm. like my body was very tight. Mm. Um, and I was nervous, too, because I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. But as I'm taking photographs, I'm talking to him, and I'm getting to know him, and it's sort of an interview. And all of that went away, because mm. then it was just this guy, you know. Mm. And this is mm. his home, and this is his stuff. Mm-hmm. So then I, I got into two more people's homes, and then I met somebody. I was at a, <laughs> a Buddhist retreat up at Garrison, uh, the Garrison Institute. And one night after the day of you know meditation and all of that, we were sitting by this fire pit, and I started chatting with the woman next to me. And she said, oh, what do you do? And I said, I'm an artist. And I said, what do you do? She said, oh, I'm an organizer. I'm like, an organizer? What does that mean? She said, oh, you know, I go into the homes of people who are affected by hoarding disorder oh. and, I, and I helped that. And I was like, you're never going to believe what I'm doing <laughs> in my mine. work. Gold mine. So anyway, so this woman, lovely woman, she told me that there was a professional conference in Philadelphia on the subject, but it was a professional one. So it was therapists and organizers mm. and academics and all of that. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'm going. Mm. So I went and, you know, there were probably about a hundred people at this conference and a lot of them were like, wait, why are you here? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and they were fascinated by what I was doing, but I was fascinated by what they were saying. And, um, so I went into these different seminars by different people, but there are so a couple of facts that I learned, and I think this is a great one. So over 90% of the people who are affected by hoarding disorder, are had a traumatic event happen to them as a child so i thought that was so specific of a thing Uh and that just learning that fact when i went into these uh subsequently when i went into the other homes of people um it i I would when i was in there and i was talking to them all i could see was the child do you know Mm. what i mean and it so it made me look at their stuff in such a different way and the other thing I learned at the conference is to not call people hoarders, but to call them people who are affected by hoarding disorder. 
right? Mm. Because it's not their identity. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a condition that they're suffering from, right? Right. And, and you can't really tell when people are on, when you meet people outside their homes, you would never right. know. You I would mean, never know. You That's would right. never know. So anyway, I thought that was another compassionate mm -hmm. and empathetic um, type of thing. But Here. I also learned, oh, I'm sorry, go on. No, I was no, going to say I, there's different types of hoarding and all of that. Yeah, no, I had just one question for you. Yeah, because, um, of course. So I was trying to figure out whether, like you, when you said that there was a trauma, childhood trauma that made them hoarders. So do you think that there, that there could be a childhood trauma because it's better for the show? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Really. <laughs> no, but do you think there's a childhood trauma that might have made you, because you see a connection between you and them, right? Yeah. Well, so, we see. I see the relation that we both have strange relationships to things. Right, extreme things. Yeah, but you, exactly. But you feel like it's more just biological. You don't think it had to do with a traumatic childhood that you are that the as. No. Uh, hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't think so, but I could. I'm just trying to think about my siblings as well, because I'm uh -huh. one of four. Uh -huh. And see, I think all four of us are kind of this, this, this same. Did you, I mean, neat. we can't, I want to hear more about your yeah. research. So we're not going to be yeah, able sure, to get no. into the detail about your childhood. But would you say that you got along with your parents or had a pretty. Yes. Pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not have a. a normal. Yeah, or normal whatever. as far as normal is. <laughs> yeah, normal. exactly. Normal. You had yes. a decent, there wasn't a lot of stress there. No, my parents were married for whatever, 33 years, you know, yeah. they weren't, I didn't grow up in a divorced family or anything. Or any kind of craziness. Um, so, okay. Not that I'm aware of, maybe. So, okay. Yeah, well, Ital Italian, Catholic, Italian guilt, maybe, but. Uh, yeah, know, we'll have to get you back. I'll find something. I will. <laughs> I will find yeah. some trauma. Never, never mind. Oh, so sure. keep talking about your research. I want to hear more. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the conference. Oh, yeah. So I also learned that there's different types of hoarding, right? So there's the information one there's also aesthetic hoarding people who um collect um things because of the color the texture the shape they're just you know compelled to to want that then there are people who are um sentimental hoarders that's obvious recycling they think things mm -hmm. can be reused right so then at the conference uh there was the woman i went who told me about the conference was there and she said oh that table over there i think those are people who are here to learn about their disorder you might want to talk to them uh. so i went over to the table went over to the table and i introduced myself and then i told them i was an artist and then i told them that i make work about these conditions and then i start telling them about myself and my relationship to things because i found that when people um like them see that I have kind of this unusual relationship, they feel a little bit more relaxed about talking about their relationship mm. to things. Mm. And so then it starts a dialogue and then, and then I'm a pretty friendly person. And so then yes. we, we become friendly mm -hmm. and then I tell them that I actually make work based on their environments as well. And then, uh, at that conference, three of them said, well, you can come to my home if you'd like. Right. Mm. So I was fantastic. So I went back to Philadelphia and I had, Back to back to back, right? So I had two hours, an hour break, two hours, an hour break, and two hours. And I have never done it like that, where it's that many in one day. And, wow. on the, and on my way home from Philly, I was sitting in the car, 
and I thought to myself, this is where I made this connection about why I think it's really a physical manifestation of their psychological state of mind or their psyche or their personality. So the first woman, she was kind of quiet, introverted, a little bit lonely. All of her stuff was gray and beige and black. Mm. And the second woman was the exact opposite, gregarious, fun, lively, big, you know, hearty laugh. She had purple hair. She drove a gray green Prius. Mm. And her home, she was in a side quarter, her home was an explosion of color. Mm. I could just point my camera anywhere in that mm -hmm. house without even looking in through the viewfinder, and I would have an incredible reference photograph. And the third woman was lovely also, and the whole time I was there, she was telling me all about her childhood and about specific dates, specific locations, times, her age, like details, details, details about things that had happened to her as a child. And her home was filled with papers and boxes filled with papers and documents and information. It was, it was a phenomenal amount of information. It was like all of the evidence of what had happened to her. Right? So stuff from her childhood then? Ch stuff from her childhood, but I also think research into these things and just like oh, phenomenal wow. amounts of paper. Um, and, but in boxes and things, um, that sounds really sad. Was it really sad? That person sounds particularly sad. Yeah. Um, no, she was actually pretty, pretty, um, extroverted and, and, and interesting. She had cope with her. She was coping. That was her. Coping she was coping. Then. And she was actually just in the beginning process of actually dealing with the horde and, you know, Very cool. and it, and it was interesting because what ha what I realized was that with those three people was I saw really how much that stuff was just an, a physical extension of their, in their personalities, mm -hmm. just made, mm -hmm. made physical. And I think that we all have that, but we, we all know how to turn it off. It's like a spigot. Mm -hmm. And these guys, these people can't turn that spigot off. Mm. And it really just is like this. So when I'm making the paintings based on those environments, Again, I also take out all the logos and the text and stuff. Because, again, I don't want it to be about what the stuff is. I want it to be right. about its physical presence. Well, I also think that you and perhaps, I don't, you know, the thing that's confusing, I don't have, any, I don't have anything in, in mind, but it seems yeah. like they're clearly coping with something in, that's difficult for them, and that's what they're sorting out. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't feel like like that with you but um what I was going to say is that it feels like um lost my train of thought it just feels That's okay like... maybe <laughs> no, it is though no I mean maybe it is actually because you're asking that question and I'm thinking about this sense of order that I was talking about earlier oh, and maybe oh. yeah I'm sorry go ahead oh no thank you for being so polite with me um I was just I remembered my thought what I was going to say is that you know maybe like, I don't think I'm as visually aware of my surroundings. You are very visually, and these people may be too. I was going to say that, but go ahead. What were mm. you going to say? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think that they're in their situation, they are aware of their surroundings, but at the same time, they're not because it's, it, it gets to this point where you can't, you can't live. The people can't live in that environment. You know, it's so severe. So there's something that there's is turning off where they're not where they're not seeing the problem and how difficult it is. But the so extreme the, that they're at, you know. So they're like um, they they 
there are, I mean, I, I have read a bit about hoard. I mean, from what my understanding of hoarding is, it's kind of like an addiction in the way that you can't really mm -hmm. control it and you're not aware that it's you compulsion. have it. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you don't know that you're an addict. You don't know that you need help. True. True. Except Some the people you that. were dealing with were, were probably a step away from that because they were getting help. Yeah. That's right. They were there learning about their own thing. Yeah. So that's and I also very learned that, people. you know, there's, there was a task force there too, like mm -hmm. a Philadelphia task force mm -hmm. that talked about, and there was a fireman on there and, an, and a psychologist, and they were talking about how much, how difficult it is to actually deal with these situations when it's, let's say a fire hazard or something like that, or mm. you have an infestation of bugs or rodents and things or, like that. So it becomes a public health health crisis to the people right. like if it's in an apartment building that's a that's a serious problem for the neighbors and there are animal hoarders yes you know uh, yeah that, which right? is a whole nother that's thing that's a whole other thing right people and like 100 cats but the task force people said that you know there's something called a forced clean out that's basically when the city or the, or the state comes mm. in and they get mm -hmm. they clean it out um those people will collect three times as much after that. Mm. So it's like, it, it doesn't fix the problem, you mm. know? Yeah. It's a very yeah. tough thing. Now there's something about hoarding that, um, is bigger. The, the thing that I think that I'm thinking about is how it affects relationships. Like, mm -hmm. can you, do, yes. do these people, I mean, that is a really big deal because you can't have, or if you do have an intimate relationship, yeah. that's a ma that's a major player. That's a the hoarding is a major major part of it. Yes, and I think one of the people I met, she had, she had been married at one time, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I couldn't, you know, right, cry <laughs> and ask, but <laughs> you know, you should have brought thought, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, thought, yeah, you're, you were know, mm -hmm. maybe it was always there a little bit, like what the way mine was there a little bit. And maybe when they got married, it was okay. But then maybe it grew, maybe it grew, mm -hmm. you know. But do any of them, like, do they, are they lonely? Are they like thinking, um, I mean, did you meet, I'm assuming that that no one will live with them. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. That, I well, none of them I ever, none of the people I've ever visited. There was one where I should say where they did live together. Mm -hmm. um, but that woman, although she has this hoarding problem, it's very well organized. And I, th mm -hmm. and there's not a hazard. There are no hazards mm. and you can't, and you can move, you can navigate through the apartment mm. and there are areas where the living room is open so you can sit down. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there was in, in that home, I, I, there was a something that I thought would make an amazing piece. She had five bureaus all stacked on top of each other. Ooh. Love that. And I thought, wouldn't that make an amazing sculpture? Like if I could figure out a way to make it out of something where it all became one object then. Oh, you know, yeah, not yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was the only one. The other, all of the other people I've have visited are alone. They're not, they don't yeah, have partners. Yeah, so do you, do you, and see what, what I also find interesting is that they don't have partners. I mean, they may not have guests, mm -hmm. but are, if they're not aware of, that they're hoarding like do, how do they how do they square that how do they are they lonely how do they square that 
Yeah, one woman was very, the woman who I said was a very introverted, I could tell she was kind of lonely, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you, and you just, it's sad, you know, and it's, it's hard. Um, cause I feel for her, you know, for her, Something, but, but are they all lonely? No, are, I don't think so. No, definitely not. The but, second woman, I think she, she was a high school teacher. She was really a fun person in her house. Although she was, was this aesthetic quarter, her house was not filthy. Mm -hmm. It just was filled with all of mm -hmm. these things that she's re-gifting to people. So she mm. sends boxes, everything, and then sends it to people. I want to go there. It sounded great. <laughs> yeah. Like a riot of color. And the other woman um, uh, with, the, with the stuff, with the, um, the files and all of that, she's very extroverted. And she was a big participant in this uh, conference. She was assisting with everything, you know. So mm -hmm. it's, it's. I mean, on you know, one hand, I'm wondering if it's a defense against being intimate. And maybe mm. it is sometimes, but also I think that maybe um, these people don't need, they're not going to, they they don't actually need a partner or another person. I mean, there are people, mm -hmm. maybe their lifestyle is more, you know, they can't have both and they enjoy their lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do mm -hmm. you think they enjoy hoarding or do you think it's like a torturous no. no i think it's there i think that's where the shame comes in okay yeah tell, you talk know what about i mean that. i think that's why a lot of times when you a lot of times when when i'm driving in places outside the city and i see a house where every single um blind is pulled or drapes are pulled i think to myself you know or there, where you cannot see into the house i think to myself yep you know what I think that's somebody who's affected by this disorder because mm, mm. there's a lot of shame I think associated with that because I think people make this connection that collecting like that means filth and dirt and stuff right. like that. You know what I mean? And they, so we think people associate it with, with, with disease and rodents and, and they're not all mm. like that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, do you see uh, clean dishes are the dishes put away? Yes. You know, that's interesting. A lot of times the kitchen, the sink area, and yes. The, mm. But there's only one where the kitchen... I've only been to one home where I felt mm -hmm. like it was kind of filthy. Mm -hmm. And the toilet? And, have you been to the bathroom in those places? Yes. No. The toilet you actually have? was okay. In that house, the bathroom was actually okay. There was a lot of stuff around it, but one could get to it. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit you know i know literally and figuratively figuratively mm. yeah mm. wow um, yeah it's intense and that house that was the house when i was upstairs on the second floor and i was taking photos so right so here i am taking photographs of all of this some of the i do have a section on my website field research that has some of the photographs from my yeah. from these homes and you know there was one i'm photographing and i paint pointed the camera down at the floor and I took a photograph and I saw my feet in the photo. And I, and I, all of a sudden I, I had this moment where I thought, oh my God, like you are here right now. Because sometimes I think when you're looking uh, through a camera, it helps right. you remove yourself from it. Right. And that grounded me. So I put the camera down and I took it in and I was like thinking, okay, you're really here right now. And then I thought, like from an outside perspective, like how the hell did you end up in the middle of this room? You know, like this is, mm -hmm. this is insane. Right. Um, 
yeah, to that's think of myself in this environment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is really interesting because a, a camera is a great defense, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's why you brought it, but I love that no. you had the presence of mind just to to take it in. Yes. Uh, that That is, yeah, that was it. There must I I I somehow think that maybe you were getting over your fear or desensitizing yourself to something that made you uncomfortable. Actually, that's a good point. And I was going to say, you know, all of this, the art, making the art, both about the organizationally obsessive perfection and order stuff that I that this show is about, and then I I, I have another show in the fall that's going to have the hoarding work. Um, I just did a show in Connecticut that had the hoarding work, and I think making all of this art has actually relaxed me in my own mm, environment. You know what I mean? I could see so it's that. Still, it's amazing. And that's like CBT, right? By, by yeah. immersing yourself into it, into the, you know, it's kind right. of health. CBT, right. you know, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. Yes. But, but it's also, which for you as, as a pretend shrink, I would, I would recommend that because it doesn't seem like your issue comes from a trauma that is going to be unearthed through therapy right. and psychoanalysis. So you just, it's yeah. a behavioral thing. It's a behavioral thing, yes. Right. And also, like, there's a really big difference between what you do and a hoarder because of the the way that they can't really function with other people. Cl- Correct, cl- yes. They can't have intimacy the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, we only have, like, eight minutes left, and I that's mm-hmm. kind of getting to um, my last question, really, I wanted to talk about, and you just really kind of fe- fell into st- – starting it I want to know like how this affected you and and Mm -hmm. like um did it change your work right away did it change your view of your like what how long ago was this how what 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 happened how did it affect you yeah 2015 is when I started actually well 2014 I started you know doing re starting to do the research and then as I was doing the research I started all these visuals started coming into my head so I started doing a lot of sketches in my sketchbook and making notes. And, um, and then I started making some work, but then I thought, you know what, I've got to go out into the field and get, and just do field research and meet other people. I don't want all the artwork to be about me. So mm. in that show that you saw, the bookcase is a self-portrait, right? But all the other pieces, well, one of them is also another self-portrait, but most of the other ones are all based on other people's environments. Right. And that's the thing is that when I do when I go out and I speak publicly about this work, um, I'm getting a reaction of people who are um, saying, oh, I'm a little bit this way or I'm a little bit that way. And so I think it's connecting with people because we all kind of have a little bit of it in us. You know, we're not these extremes, but people connect to it in that regard. Mm -hmm. I like that or I'm like that, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so that's been really nice and i think talking about that stuff um i think it's important to talk about it uh this is why i'm so happy to be on your show because i think by discussing it and learning about it you get this is a way in through compassion and empathy and Mm -hmm. i think also um helps dispel the the stigmas attached to these things you know that's the thing about mental health right well, that's what's so confusing about hoarding for people, I think, because it seems like 
you know, like if you think about like drugs as an addiction, a heroin addiction, well, if you stop taking the heroin, you're going to have, you know, you're going to get sick. But mm -hmm. to the average person, it's like, well, why don't they just throw the shit out? Yes, I'll tell you why. So here, the, one of the people at the conference had a great exercise. So he said, okay, everyone in the room, close your eyes. Now, close your eyes and imagine your living room. Now, in that living room, pick a, pick, find an object that means a lot to you, right? Now, imagine someone, a stranger, coming into your house and taking that thing that means so much to you and putting it in a plastic bag. Now, imagine them bringing it outside and putting it by the curb. And now imagine the garbage truck pulling up and them just throwing it in the back of the truck. <laughs> he said... That's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible and it's sad. And when you actually do that exercise, you can feel this incredible pain. And they said, now just that's how these people feel about every single object in their home. Mm. So that's a very hard thing, you know, mm -hmm. so there are different methods that people are doing. But one of them I, I think is kind of interesting is they take a photograph of every single thing. Uh, and so then they put it into an album mm -hmm. and the person then has an uh, album and they can look at the things. Mm -hmm. oh, that's but that's good. interesting, too, from an artistic standpoint, the representation of the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the memory of it, that they have a memory of it, the they memory a, of it, they, because, they, have yes, a, they have a connection to it still. That's right. But also, um, do you think it has anything to do? I mean, it seems like such a modern day kind of, um, I don't know. Oh, I don't want. I know yeah, where go you're ahead. going with this. Right. Is it a capitalist thing? Like well, a consumer yeah. thing? A, yeah. Uh -huh, a cons consumption thing, right? Yep. And that was a mm -hmm. question I asked the lead speaker at the conference. Because of our advertising background, I was curious, does our, you know, capitalist, you know, system drive this? And he, he said that they've, they've been doing some research into it, but they don't believe so because they said that they, there was a village in Africa where there was a person who was hoarding sticks and stones. Ah, wow. Wow, right? But yeah, so what does so that say? So it sounds like there's a, it's biological. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could see how there, you can see how it's just, kind of human nature but taken to an extreme that's right right yeah you know it's like a very it's, normal and i envy you frankly i envy oh. your neat for so many things but <laughs> yeah. in this particular conversation your neatness and yeah, organization thanks. because i'm not naturally organized i've developed it but yeah. i do you know i would love to be naturally organized do you see what i'm saying like there yeah, yeah, are yeah. How much, how you manage your stuff really does affect your life. Yes, I think it does on a, on a subconscious level. Um, and I think that, you know, we are thoughts, you know, I do believe in the ideas that our thinking creates our reality, mm -hmm. right? And so if your thinking is confused, then your reality becomes confused, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I think, I think it does help with that, you know? And I mm -hmm. think that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't know about this Marie Kondo thing about, does it give you joy? I don't, I don't even really think about it on that level. You right. Know? Right. Um, because to me, it's, you know, to me, it's really about the position, the physicality Peace of, of the mind. Things. Yes. Right. Um, exactly. So like when it comes to say like, uh, buying t-shirts, do you buy like mm -hmm. all 
like and your own all objects all black t-shirts, all black yeah. t-shirts. <laughs> yeah have you ever listened to the minimalists podcast no i have not oh <laughs> these <laughs> guys I... are great there's a documentary about it you know and how mm-hmm. they were they were sort of these um wall streety types and they had like 20 suits and they had mm-hmm. 80 shirts mm-hmm. and they thought like what is what is going on but you know one of them talked about um about how he just always would wear the same thing in the closet. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm the same way. I always like to wear the same kind of thing. And I have all this other stuff that I don't really wear. So, so you I, like, I pared it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't like to have objects you don't need, I'm guessing. Yeah, right. You throw things out. Like if I, if somebody, if I gave you a gift, if somebody gave you a gift and you knew you weren't going to use it, would you get, get rid of it? I might re-gift it. Or, uh, I, yeah, I, that's interesting. I actually have started to tell my, and my kids kind of actually liked it during the pandemic because mm-hmm. Christmas was just going mm-hmm. to be our nuclear family um, during that first year. And I said, look, I just, I want one thing. I only want one gift. I don't ah, need five gifts. Ah, and ah. my kids jumped on that bandwagon too. And you know what happened was the gifts that year were so much more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, this is a good note to uh, wrap up on because uh, we only have a minute and 18 seconds. And I want to make sure that we get in all the relevant information about where people can see your work and get to know more about it. So I'm turning it over to you. Go ahead. 30 seconds. Sure. (laughs) So for my you can visit my website, richardpascarelli.com or follow me on Instagram at richardpascarelli. The current show is called As It Should Be at Robin Lee Programs in Chelsea at 526 West 26th Street, Suite 211. The gallery hours are Wednesday through Saturday from 12 to 5, and that show runs until May 14th. Thank you so much. This is great. Um, and you, I want to and I want to remind everybody, um, Dr. Lisa, Dr. Lisa gives a shit. I'm live here every Thursday, two to three. Uh, you can go to uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Look up Dr. Lisa gives a shit. There's over almost 300 episodes and you can like spend, you know, probably a whole week just listening to them. But I you know, I know you don't want to do that. So why would you? But anyway, there are, there, there's some really good stuff in there. 